Theme, On Fire for God. Scripture, Matthew 5:16. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Welcome precious saints to another extended monthly fasting In this month we shall be doing four days of fasting to seek God and be set ignited from on high. So, this verse above in the book of Matthew is a call to live out one's faith in a visible and tangible way, by being the light of Christ in a dark world. But to do that effectively we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in which we will talk more about in day one's teachings. We need to have a heart on fire for God's saints. Remember this is the year to occupy for His purpose precious saints and part of that is training you to be the prayer warriors He is raising within this hour. We need to be set ablaze for God. For being on fire for God is about having a passionate desire to fulfill God's will. It is about living a life that is fully devoted to God and to His purposes. Being on fire for God means not being afraid to take a stand and make a difference in the world, despite the opposition. It is about being courageous, having faith, and trusting that God will provide. Being on fire for God is to go beyond what we can do on our own and to rely on Him for strength and guidance. So, no matter what the situation you may be facing today I believe the Lord will bring a breakthrough in your life as you seek first His kingdom and righteousness this weekend. The Lord will give us all the grace to endure, to hold fast and not waver in our faith saints. But for us to serve Him effective, we must be a fire for God. Therefore, we need the Holy Spirit to set us on fire again this weekend, so we can serve Him with joy and zeal precious saints. Even though we don't see the benefits right now, our faith is rewarded, and our work is not in vain precious saints. We need revival saints. But revival does not come by accident or happenstance. It may come suddenly, but never accidentally. There can be no revival without deep travailing saints. For today we live in a society that wants everything quickly and no one is willing to tarry and wait upon God. For many even want birth without pregnancy. Yes, we want birth without pain today. But there can be no true revival saints, without travail and anguish prayer. There has never been a true revival in history past, that wasn't preceded by travail saints. That is why we need to get back to prevailing prayers and the preaching of the gospel, for these are the two most effective tools that the church employs and they may seem to have taken a back seat to all the apostasy we see today in recent decades, and all our nations have paid a price, as a result. Our hurting nations are a result of a weakened church, however, they do not have to stay hurt any longer for revival is upon us precious saints. So please take the time to read these four-day teachings and historical accounts of fathers and the faith that moved in powerful prayer lives, as that is what we call digging the wells of revival. You will clearly see from all these revivals that I post of the past is that it had nothing to do with the compromise we are seeing in the current church age. That is why we are digging the wells of revival. The repentance revival that is coming will not be birthed from the current church apostasy, but from those wanting to dig the wells of revival and learn from the forefathers in faith that have gone before us. So, for those that desire revival may I suggest you join all our fastings, to learn and stir up a spirit of prevailing intercession. So that we can see the promised genuine revival starting, not just in one continent this year but spread to every nation. For it is time to occupy for His purpose in 2023. Jeremiah 6 16 Thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where the good way is, and walk in it, then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. As I have mentioned before, the remaining of 2023 will be a busy year to occupy the nations and spark his end-time repentance revival. But it will not come without resistance, for there is a spiritual battle in the second heavens trying to hinder God's sovereign move. Yes, a spiritual shift is taking place within this hour that is happening internationally, nationally, and locally. The level of His glory will be released more and more, as humble hearts cry out for more of Him and His purpose. The mark of this revival will be the deep level of repentance and the Holy Spirit will convict sinners from far and wide. 
Africa is so hungry for this end-time revival, and it will spread to other nations more and more, as the hunger increases. This weekend's teaching is about you being equipped as a prayer warrior. The Lord is coming to pull down the idolatry in the church, clean out the temple and prepare a remnant bride for His coming. True revival is the great equalizer, where the poor and rich are welcome, where the pulpit becomes level with the pew, and everyone that comes, who hungers and thirsts, is welcome and filled. There will be no commercializing or merchandising this revival, as it will be free, Isaiah 55 1-3. God is coming to revive His church outside the traditional walls to set individuals ablaze, to go back in the denominations, and set it on fire for those that hunger and thirst. So, no matter how enormous the task and vision may be ahead, His grace is sufficient, and many will be saved during this end-time repentance revival. He is coming for nations, so get ready as He will not share His glory with another. Time is short and His Spirit will bring a quickening within this hour to fulfill His purpose. The key to spiritual authority is the level of humility and so God will use anyone willing to become humble before God with no agendas. We are in a spiritual battle today that requires more grace precious saints, for we are moving into a new season, and this brings a new level of opposition. The hordes of hell are being released upon the unrighteous with many being used to bring about the enemy's agenda upon the face of the earth. Therefore, we need to continue to stand in prayer and occupy for His purpose for the remaining of 2023. And as you join this four-day fast, also join the weekly corporate Friday fasting we have each week to stir revival in your hearts and that of your families, churches, cities, and nations so that they will be awakened. This is the hour for revival within the nations to usher in the Lord's soon return. Do not forget to write down all your prayer requests and place within your Bibles, so we can agree with you for those breakthroughs. Please click on to the link for more details of the program. This month of July L want to encourage all Christians on social media that want a personal revival, breakthrough, and restoration to fast and pray along with us this month's four-day fast. It is also a time to help prepare us for His imminent return. This is an event anybody can partake of anywhere around the world, in your home, church, friend's house, in the village or in the city etc. The main purpose is to get people to repent and turn back to God. By using the same calendar day through fasting and prayer taken from 2 Chronicles 7 14, that it will build awareness of the need to pray for your local church. Though we are on different timelines I encourage you to just follow the dates for your respective countries. Date, July 27, 28, 29 and 30, 2023. Fasting Days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Fasting Teaching, U2.B. Message Themes for the 4 Days. Day 1 Theme, Get on Fire for God. Day 2 Theme, Praying Over Your City. Day 3 Theme, Wrestling in Prayer. Day 4 Theme, Travailing in Prayer. What am I required to fast from? Fasting Type, It is your choice what level you wish to fast. You wish to do 4 days dry fast without water or food. Maybe you wish to do 4 days with water fast? Or you could fast from food but drinking water or fluids partially. You are welcome to break the fast each evening and start again either after meal, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., or you can go straight through as I said. You can even just skip one meal a day if you wish also. See the key is I want you to abstain from something to seek a closer walk with the Lord and see your spiritual breakthroughs. The key is to also follow the program that is designed to assist and be a guide to press into the Lord. You will find some helpful tips below also. Once again, we want to leave this decision up to you about how you are going to do it. We do not have any mandatory church-wide requirements for how you fast, but here are a few others ideas for first-timers. Food fast. When we choose not to eat or not to eat certain foods, we allow our physical bodies to hunger and to bring our desires into alignment with our spiritual need for God. There is a clarity in hearing from the Lord which comes when we fast and pray, making a small sacrifice to give up a pleasure or comfort to increase your spiritual sight and vision. 
we are providing the following options for you to consider. 1. Food fast. You fast from all foods from either 10 p.m. to 6 p.m., 20 hours, or 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., 12 hours, each day with fluids allowed. 2. Partial fast. You choose to eliminate certain things i.e., fizzy drinks, sweet-slash-chocolates, bread, no red meat etc., but the rest of your diet remains mainly the same. 3. Fruit and veg. Eat fruit during the day, with liquids, tea-slash-limited coffee, herbal drinks, and water, with a veg meal in the evenings. 4. Liquids only during day and veg meal for dinner. Drink water and herbal drinks during the day with a veg meal in the evenings. Please consult your doctor if there are any medical concerns before you commence the fast. Media fast. During this time, we encourage you to turn off the TV, computer, video games, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the internet, and any other form of social media for a brief period of time. You may decide to fast from Facebook or some other form of media altogether or to limit your time to only 1-2 to two hours per week. When we do this, we create more time when we can read our Bible, pray, worship, and hear from God. Search your heart in deciding what type of food fast you want to do. If you have never fasted, maybe start off with a partial fast and progress to some fruit and veg option for the last couple of days. Remember, the most important consideration in fasting is your motive. Why are you fasting? What will we be praying about? Check each day for the next four days as there will be themed topics, scriptures, and prayers. So, you may follow corporately altogether. We are trusting the Lord that this time of fasting, and prayer will release a passion for His name within us, to cut off what belongs to past seasons, to receive renewed hope and a vision for our lives-slash-ministries, to be conduits for signs, wonders and miracles and to fulfill the mandate of sharing the gospel to those that will listen. During this time of fasting, be intentional about your priorities. Set aside ample time to be alone with the Lord. The more time you spend with God, the more meaningful your fast will be. If you need an overview or suggestions on what you can do to make the most of the fast in terms of having a daily routine, use the below points. Morning. Begin your day in praise and worship. Read the day's program and meditate on God's Word. Invite Holy Spirit to work in you. Noon. Take a short prayer walk. Spend time in intercessory prayer for the theme of the day. Evening. Make time and be available for an unhurried time of seeking God's face. If others are fasting with you, meet for prayer. Avoid television or any other distraction that may affect your spiritual focus and watch the daily uploads to YouTube. You are welcome to watch Christian movies etc. When possible, begin and end each day with your spouse, family, or friend for a brief time of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. Please let us know you will be fasting and praying with us. Practical Tips for Fasting 1. Avoid medical and even natural herbal drugs. However, if you are under medication, these should only be withdrawn upon the advice of your doctor. 2. Limit your physical activity and exercise. If you have a workout routine, adjust it accordingly. 3. Rest as much as you can if needed be. 4. Maintain an attitude of prayer throughout the day. Intercede for your family, pastors, church, nation, missionaries and world missions, etc. 5. Drink plenty of clean water if you are joining the water fast. 6. As your body adjusts, be prepared for temporary bouts of physical weakness as well as a greater likelihood of impatience, irritability, and anxiety. Fasting brings revival. In the first year of his reign I, Daniel, understood from the Scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last seventy years. So so, I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with Him in prayer and petition, in fasting, and in sackcloth and ashes. Daniel 9 2,3. Fasting helps us prevail in prayer and intercession.
Daniel understood that Israel was headed for destruction. He also knew that in times like these, there is only one recourse, intercession through praying and fasting. Throughout human history, God has brought revival and delivered nations from destruction in response to prayer and fasting. Fasting is an act of humility and consecration. I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting, Psalm 35:13. Humility results in the grace of God, James 4:6. When we humble ourselves in prayer, we have instant access to the heart of God. As we deny ourselves as an act of consecration, we are better able to exercise self-control over our emotions and desires. Spiritual cleansing and spiritual eyes opened. Fasting can be done for one meal, one day, one month or for however long God leads. It depends on how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Shorter fasts are easier to endure until we have built up our spiritual muscles. A three-day fast is most beneficial as a spiritual cleansing. An example of this is Paul being thrust into his fast upon conversion. After the three days of cleansing, he received the Holy Spirit and his eyesight when Ananias laid hands on him, Acts 917 17-18. We also can be spiritually cleansed by fasting so that we receive more of the Lord's Spirit and have our spiritual eyes open to new dimensions. A three-day fast is also especially helpful in breaking any addictive habits. These then are two reasons for fasting, we receive spiritual cleansing, and our spiritual eyes are opened, and we also obtain victory over the devil. When Jesus encountered Satan, he was able to overcome him because his fasting had given him spiritual strength. Isaiah 58:6 also gives us light on this purpose of fasting. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loosen the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Many people believe that fasting is to move the hand of God, when in reality it is to make Satan turn loose of the things he is holding. Breaking strongholds and building faith. Fasting loosens the bands of wickedness. When Jesus discussed the keys to the kingdom, he told us to bind and loose. When we fast, we loosen the bands of wickedness, undo the heavy burdens, set the oppressed free and break every yoke of the enemy. Fasting is an important key to getting the victory over hard situations and challenging situations that do not seem to respond to normal prayer. Fasting builds our faith. In fact, this is what Jesus meant when he spoke to the disciples in Matthew 17:21 in answer to why they were not able to cast a demon out of a child. He said, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. He was telling them if they wanted their faith to be at such a level as to be able to cast out demons, then they must fast and pray for their faith to increase. Fasting also makes it easier for us to hear the voice of the Lord. We find an account of this in Acts 13 2 While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. While fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke to them and gave them direction. We too can be directed by the Lord if we seek Him through prayer and fasting. When we deny our natural cravings, our spiritual antennas become more attuned. We become more sensitive to His voice as we divest ourselves of worldly distractions. We are better able to focus on God and submit to His will. This opens the door for more of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Fasting and mourning are closely associated strongly associated in the Bible. Two examples of this are found in Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra 10:6. Then Ezra rose up from before the house of God, and God and went into the chamber of Jehohanan the son of Eliashib, and when he came thither, he did eat no bread, nor drink water, for he mourned because of the transgression of them that had been carried away. Nehemiah 1 4, And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. From these scriptures, we see that fasting and travail, a prayer burden from the Lord that brings crying and tears, were combined. Both men were fasting for the repentance of God's people. How we need this same kind of intercession today. 
here were men so burdened for the sins of their people that they fasted, travailed, and prayed. Day 1, Get on Fire for God. Thursday, July 27, 2023. Scripture Text, Zechariah 2 5 AMP For I, declares the Lord, will be a wall of fire around her, protecting her from enemies, and I will be the glory in her midst. Precious Saints Today is day one of the four-day fasting program for July and I believe we need to start this fast by getting so on fire for God. For He wants you to receive fresh fire from the Holy Spirit that will ignite you to be set ablaze for God. Fresh fire simply means the anointing of the Holy Spirit being ever fresh in your heart saints. It takes a Christian who is on fire by the Holy Spirit to have the grace to live for Christ Jesus. It is so vital for every believer in Christ to always pray for fresh fire and fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. For when a Christian is so on fire, the devil cannot manipulate their life nor rob them of their blessings. Agents of Satan like witches warlocks, witch doctors, shamans etc. do not know what to do with a Christian that is on fire for God. Demons flee from their presence and cannot penetrate the walls of fire around them or their dwell. Jesus told His disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit, so that they would be empowered with fire from heaven. Acts 1 4-8 And being assembled together with them, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, He said, you have heard from me, 5 For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 6 Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? 7 And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. 8 But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. For them to complete the mission they would have to wait and so it was when the church was announced with a mighty rushing wind and tornado of fire from heaven. Acts 2 1-4 When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all, a with one accord in one place. 2 And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. 3 Then there appeared to them, be divided tongues, as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. 4 And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. The baptism of fire is the symbol of the overflowing presence of the Holy Spirit in your life saints. So if you are yet to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, then I encourage you to seek the Lord until it comes at the appointed time. See the moment you are empowered with fire from on high, you will become master over circumstances and the forces of darkness. See one of the greatest weapons for crushing oppression is for us to be baptized with the fire of the Holy Spirit. One thing I have noticed in today's church is a lot of Christians are going from man of God to the next from place to place for prayers from others, simply because they lack the fire of God within their personal life. Remember this saints that when you carry fire, you become unstoppable, unkillable, and indestructible. Hallelujah! So if you want to overcome temptations, oppression and witchcraft attacks get on fire for God, by spending time with God. See because generally, oppression and attacks will thrive where there is no fire in a Christian's life. The devil and his agents will perpetrate all kinds of wicked acts, schemes and tactics against one, when they find the atmosphere comfortable and spiritually dry. Remember Jesus said we are to cast the demons to dry places, so they like such places. Matthew 12:43. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest, and finds none. You cannot overcome the devil if you are not on fire for Jesus' saints. Just like one suffering severe depression and anxiety and say no to oppression until you have fire in your life. When you become baptized in the fire of the Holy Spirit, your life will become too hot for the enemy to handle saints. If you have noticed symbols of oppression, intimidation, manipulation, and wickedness, constant attacks then it could very be an indication of the fact that your fire has been extinguished. 
so rather stay in that environment, change it by waiting upon God in His presence and ask Him to set you on fire. For you need to go back to the presence of God and receive fresh fire and fresh anointing from on high. Malachi 3 1-5. Behold, He is coming, says the Lord of hosts. 2 But who can endure the day of His coming? And who can stand when He appears? For He is like a refiner's fire and like launderer's soap. 3 He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, He will purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Fire is a common image we will see spoken of amongst the minor prophets in the Old Testament. It provides a fitting analogy to the judgment that the prophets say God will bring. Now this description of fiery judgment might seem to be at odds with the message of love and grace often associated with Jesus and today's New Testament Church. But the only reason we are forgiven is because Jesus experienced the fire of God's judgment in our place. Jesus often spoke of the fire of God even when He echoed this message when He said, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. Luke 12:49. This is why the fire Jesus brought is the refiner's fire that Malachi spoke about. This is a fire that does not destroy us but purifies and sanctifies us saints. Malachi indicates that God's people will offer acceptable worship, because of their refinement. Because of what Jesus has done for us, this result will take place in our lives too. Refined by God's grace, we are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 2 5. His fire comes to purify, sanctify, and cleanse us. His fire is a symbol of His presence and the instrument of His power, it either comes to bring holiness or to destroy that which is wicked. It also removes the guilt and shame of your previous defeated lives. The fire of sanctification comes to set us apart to bring separation from the secular and sinful and setting apart for His sacred purpose. The fire of sanctification is the death of your self-nature. For He has called His saints to a place of holiness. Those things that are within your character that is not a characteristic of Him will be extracted, as you yield yourself to Him each day. No matter what darkness is trying to surround you today precious saints, the Lord, who is the God that answers by fire will deliver you hallelujah. Fire is the passion of your Creator's heart. So, when He speaks, things take place hallelujah. He is the God that responds with lighting and thunder and who placed the stars in their place and positioned the sun and the moon to cause day and night. He has called us His firebrands that have been commissioned from High's most holy fire. The same God who branded this call into Moses, by the fiery bush that never burned out. It was He who showed up for Elijah before the prophets of Baal when He not only answered, but He devoured the wood, hay, and the stubble, even the structures of men did not stand. The fire even devoured the water and licked the dust precious saints. This end-time repentance revival that will be poured out across the nations, will come to help in the final preparations for the Bride of Christ before the imminent snatching away. The famous revival prayer is taken from the book of Psalms, Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Psalm 85 6, for this suggests a tone of earnest desire. Revival is preceded by people seeking God with all their heart and wanting to see God's glory among His people. Do you desire to be revived and on fire for God's saints? One such revival we have studied in the past was in India when the students at Pandita Ramabai's school in India started to earnestly pray. The students prayed fervently, and God answered by reviving them and many others through them. The young Evan Roberts, whose ministry triggered the Welsh revival in 1904, often prayed, Bend me, O God. We are open to whatever it takes for God to be totally in control of our lives. We need repentance revival. You might be asking how can revival come to such a wicked generation? And all He requires of us is in 2 Chronicles 7 14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin and heal their land. See we need such a deep repentance, 
just as the Lord commands. We do not need any other strange revivals that have just in the past been characterized by exotic experiences without much emphasis on repentance. For in the past people will go like tourists to such places to see what is happening. I wonder whether we could call that revival. Preaching against sin before the revival often contributes to revival and influences what sins are confessed. In the history of the church, there were times when some sins were neglected in revival preaching, like sexual impurity, exploitation, and race, class, and caste prejudice. This has resulted in revived churches perpetuating sins that the revival should have addressed. In other revivals, like the 18th century Wesleyan revival in the UK, revival helped influence social reform and attack injustice. The manifestation of revival. Remember revival can be messy and it is not always done in our orderly fashion. For there will be travail, groanings, slaying in the spirit, speaking in heavenly language, deliverance etc. and the list goes on. Now for example what about the revivals associated with the Wesleys and Jonathan Edwards? For they had people falling down with somewhat violent reactions under deep conviction of sin. We need to be open to God's surprising works and be careful about stifling them. But we also need to remember that, after some time, these phenomena can become rituals that have lost their original meaning like with laughter in the Spirit. Now when once has been oppressed for a long time and then receives deliverance and freedom, the Holy Spirit may impart a spirit of joy and laughter. But sometimes these phenomena can be taken to extremes that make them unbalanced and unbiblical after the revival had taken place. A little but like those rattlesnake church in America that used to play with snakes etc. So while revivals usually result in the awakening of Christians, they are also accompanied by a powerful infillings of fresh fire upon a large number of people. Then they start to witness for Christ and witness to those outside the church. Then unbelievers see the power of God at work in the revived Christians, and these Christians are emboldened to share their faith. The result is that large numbers of people are saved. So, effective evangelism generally accompanies genuine revival. Prayer brings change. Never underestimate the power of fiery prayers saints. For when you start seeking God for revival not just personally, but for your city God will ignite others just like He did in the past. In Wales, it was a group of young people under seminary student Evan Roberts, who came home from seminary to seek God, sensing that he had lost his fire. Roberts started a prayer group that grew and grew and became a nationwide movement, resulting in about 100,000 people being converted and joining the church. In the Hebrides Islands of Scotland, two single, housebound ladies in their 80s prayed earnestly for revival. At the same time, in another part of their island, seven young men met regularly to prevail in prayer until revival broke. In Korea in the early 1900s, God spoke to the leaders of the church and revived them first, which then led to a national awakening. Once again in an Indian girl's school, it was the prodding of a devout leader, Pandita Ramabai, that fired up students to prevail in prayer and trigger revival. Five university students in the United States gathered at a haystack and prayed for missions and helped give birth to the great missionary movement of that nation. Do not lose heart today but seek His fire for your life. Keep yearning for a great visitation from God. The seven young people in the Hebrides Islands made Isaiah 62 6-7 their watchword as they prayed for revival. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest, and give Him no rest until He establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. Let us take no rest seeking for fresh fire saints and give no rest to God until He sends revival to our people within these end times. Charles Finney Man of Fire Passionate Revivalist Preacher 1792-1875 what about Charles Finney, 1792-1875, who was the great revivalist of the Second Awakening who was set ablaze with fresh fire from heaven and continued for the rest of his life in evangelism and revival. During the height of the revivals, he often saw the awesome holiness of God come upon people, not only in meetings but also in the community, bringing multitudes to repentance and conversion. Wherever he traveled, 
instead of bringing a song leader he brought someone to pray. Often Father Nash, his companion, was not even in the meetings but in the woods or motel rooms praying. In the course of six months while on his mission, 1,200 people joined the churches of the Rochester Presbytery. Soon, news of the Rochester Revival traveled east to New England. According to Finney, the very fame of it was an efficient instrument in the hands of the Spirit of God in promoting the greatest revival of religion throughout the land, that this country had. Than ever witnessed. According to one estimate, news of the Rochester Revival sparked revival fires in 1,500 towns and villages throughout New England. Years later, the respected preacher Lyman Beecher stated, that was the greatest work of God, and the greatest revival of religion, that the world has ever seen, in so short a time. He estimated that 100,000 had been converted and added to the churches in a single year through the revivals sparked by news of the Rochester Awakening. Finney emphasized Hosea 10:12, Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He comes and rains righteousness on you. He believed that if we do our part in repentance and prayer, God will do His incending revival. But what caused such a powerful conversion, for God to use such a servant of God? Well let us read the words of Charles Finney himself and what experience he had with the Holy Spirit on that day of conversion. Charles Finney Conversion Testimony. The rising of my soul was so great that I rushed into the room back of the front office to pray. There was no fire and no light in this back room, nevertheless, it appeared to me as if it were perfectly light. As I went in and shut the door after me, it seemed to me as if I met the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. It seemed to me that I saw Him as I would see any other man. He said nothing but looked at me in such a manner as to break me right down at His feet. It seemed to me a reality that He stood before me, and I fell down at his feet and poured out my soul to him. I wept aloud like a child and made such confession as I could with my choked words. It seemed to me that I bathed his feet with my tears, and yet I had no distinct impression that I touched him. I must have continued in this state for a good while, but my mind was too much absorbed with the interview to remember anything that I said. As soon as my mind became calm enough I returned to the front office and found that the fire I had made of large wood was nearly burned out. But as I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit. Without any expectation of it, without ever having the thought in my mind that there was any such thing for me, without any memory of ever hearing the thing mentioned by any person in the world, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression, like a wave of electricity, going through and through me. Indeed it seemed to come in waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. I can remember distinctly that it seemed to fan me, like immense wings. No words can express the wonderful love that was spread abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with joy and love. I literally bellowed out the unspeakable overflow of my heart. These waves came over me, and over me, and over me, one after another, until I remember crying out, I shall die if these waves continue to pass over me. I said, Lord, I cannot bear any more, yet I had no fear of death. That night a member of the church choir which Finney led called in at his office, amazed to find the former skeptic in a state of loud weeping and unable to talk to him for some time. That young friend left and soon returned with an elder from the church who was usually serious and rarely laughed. When he came in, Finney observed, I was very much in the state in which I was when the young man went out to call him. He asked me how I felt, and I began to tell him. Instead of saying anything he fell into a most spasmodic laughter. It seemed as if it was impossible for him to keep from laughing from the very bottom of his heart. Next morning, with the renewal of these mighty waves of love and salvation flowing through him, Finney witnessed to his employer who was strongly convicted and later made his peace with God. That morning a deacon from the church came to see Finney about a court case due to be tried at 10 o'clock. Finney told him he would have to find another lawyer, saying, 
I have a retainer from the Lord Jesus Christ to plead his cause and I cannot plead yours. The astonished deacon later became more serious about God and settled his case privately. That deep work of the Spirit continues now across the world. Its expressions vary with different cultures and denominational traditions. However, the Divine Spirit deeply impacts those who continue to seek the Lord. It is time for repentance revival in the nations and my prayer is that we may join in agreement and believe God is about to do a powerful work in your nation also. Let us get on fire for God's saints. Prayer Focus Day 1 Heavenly Father in the mighty name of Jesus we come before you this day and repent right now for any word, thought or deed that has been done knowingly or unknowingly. Wash us with the precious Son Jesus Christ today who you lovingly gave for the atonement of all mankind. Today, Jesus, we thank you that you have promised to protect me and my family, especially my children. Lord, I believe that your divine protection is upon each and every member of my family. Help me to feel your presence always. Lord, I surrender my life into your loving hands. I ask that you would scatter every evil gathering of demons or evil agents that are made against me in Jesus' name. Disrupt their camp and send confusion within their communication. Disrupt their meeting and destroy the foundation of their meeting place. Fashion your weapon of devastation to destroy their works in Jesus' mighty name. Absolutely no weapons that are formed against me shall prosper and any tongue that rises up against me in judgment you will condemn. Keep and guard me as the apple of your eye and hide me under the shadow of your wings. Cover me with your glory cloud of smoke by day and the shining of a flaming of fire by night. Lord be a canopy over me, a defense of divine love and protection. Put a hedge about me, my family, my finances, my job, my career, my children, my ministry, and my house and all that I have on every side in Jesus' mighty name. We cover ourselves today with the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the power and the authority you have given us in the name of Christ Jesus, and with authority we bind all curses that have been spoken or sent against us in Jesus' mighty name. We pray for those who despitefully use us. We bind all judgments made against us, and any judgments that we have made against others, in the name of Jesus. We bind the power of negative words from others, every fiery dart and arrow, and we also render every demonic spirit that is operating against us to be helpless, powerless, inoperative, ineffective, and null and avoid in the name of Jesus. We use the name of Jesus as our weapon of warfare to break down, blow up the walls of protection around all witches, warlocks, wizards, witch doctors, and Satanists, and break the power of all curses, hexes, vexes, spells, charms, fetishes, psychic prayers, psychic thoughts, all witchcraft, sorcery, magic, voodoo, all mind control, jinxes, potions, bewitchments, death, destruction, sickness, pain, torment, psychic power, and everything else being sent against us or any member of our family, recite each name. We render every plan powerless and command all demons and demonic forces to be sent back to the pit of hell right now in Jesus' mighty name. We are God's property. We can resist the devil and he must flee. We can say that no weapon that has been formed or that is trying to form against us shall prosper. Jesus gave us power and authority over all demons, and to cure diseases. We have been given power and authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt us. In the name of Jesus. So, we take authority over this day, in Jesus' name, with our armor on. Let it be prosperous for us and we will walk in the love of God. The Holy Spirit leads and guides us today. We discern between what is right or wrong, good, or evil, and what's of God and not of God. We take the authority that God has given us over Satan this day, his demons and every person influenced by them, in Jesus' name. We have all authority over all the beasts of the field, in Jesus' name. We declare that Satan is under our feet and shall remain there forever, in the name of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus. So, 
This day we connect our mind to the mind of Christ. Right now, we connect our will to the will of God and we connect ourselves to the working of the cross and to every promise that God has provided, in Jesus' name. Now Satan you are bound from our family, our mind, our body, our home, our ministry, our health, our finances, our spirit, our soul, this day. We confess that we are healed and made whole by the stripes of Jesus. We will flourish in Christ Jesus with long life, stability, durability, incorruptible, fruitful, and virtuous. We are full of peace, love, and the joy of the Lord. Whatsoever we set our hands to do shall prosper, in Jesus' name. We claim a hedge of protection around ourselves, and family throughout this day and night, in Jesus' name. Right now, we loose the fire of the Holy Spirit. We thank you Father for a complete covering of the blood of Jesus Christ, and we ask this prayer, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Declare these prayer points. 1. Holy Ghost fire, envelope every area of my life, in the name of Jesus. 2. I receive fresh fire to run through the troops and leap over the wall, in the name of Jesus. 3. My Father, arise with your fire of power and manifest your presence in my life, in the name of Jesus. 4. Anything hindering the power of God in my life, die, in the name of Jesus. 5. I shall trample upon every serpent and scorpion of powerlessness, in the name of Jesus. 6. Holy Ghost fire, incubate my ears, my eyes, and my mouth, in the name of Jesus. 7. Fire of excellence from heaven, begin to burn in every area of my life, in the name of Jesus. 8. Every power failure, I sack you today, in the name of Jesus. 9. Roadblocks and obstacles to my flowing in your anointing, clear them away, by fire, in the name of Jesus. 10. My Father, arise for my help and turn me to untouchable coal of fire, in the name of Jesus. 11. Spirits of lukewarmness and procrastination in my life, die, in the name of Jesus. 12. Father, let the Holy Spirit fill me afresh in the name of Jesus. 13. Lord, release your tongue of fire upon my life and burn away all spiritual filthiness present within me in the name of Jesus. 14. Holy Ghost, purify me with your fire today in the name of Jesus. 15. Fire of God, fall upon me now, and swallow whatever is in my life that is not of God in the name of Jesus. 16. Evil deposit and all seed of the stranger in my body and life, be destroyed today by the fire of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. 17. Holy Ghost anoint me afresh today for greater exploit in life in the name of Jesus. 18. Today, Holy Spirit, illuminate my life and world with your unquenchable fire in the name of Jesus. 19. O Lord, I need fresh fire, refire me now in the name of Jesus. 20. Holy Ghost fire, blood of Jesus, purge my soul, body and spirit in the name of Jesus. 21. Lay your right hand on your chest, Holy Ghost fire, purge my heart. 5 minutes in the name of Jesus. 22. Any part of my body that is not cooperating with the will of God, receive fire and cooperate in the name of Jesus. 23. O Lord my Father, baptize me with the Holy Ghost afresh in the name of Jesus. 24. Pour out your Spirit upon me like never before in the name of Jesus. 25. My soul, body and spirit become magnetic to Pentecost fire in the name of Jesus. 26. Holy Ghost fire, flush my eyes, ears, tongue, and my heart in the name of Jesus. 27. O Lord, turn me to coal of fire and make me unquenchable in the name of Jesus. 28. Father Lord, break me down and remold me for your use in the name of Jesus. 29. O Lord, make me a reservoir and carrier of your fire and power in the name of Jesus. 30. Holy Spirit fire, 
arrest and silence any part of my body that is demanding for sin in the name of Jesus. 31. Holy Spirit fire, ignite my ministry and my calling in the name of Jesus. Day 2, Praying Over Your City. Friday, July 28, 2023. Scripture text, Psalm 2:8. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. Precious Saints today being day 2 we are going to talk about the subject of praying over your cities and believing God for repentance revival and the Lord's deliverance. Now what we must understand is over every city there are spiritual forces against which we are coming. In fact, we are up against a very well-organized demonic army that has its own hierarchy and levels of satanic authority. These authorities can be set over empires, cultures, nations, cities, and regions of the earth. They can be behind natural and supernatural government also precious saints. 1. Satan, Commander-in-Chief, 2. Thrones 3. Dominions, Lordships, 4. Principalities, Rulerships, Princes, 5. Powers, Authorities, 6. Rulers of Darkness of this World 7. Spiritual Wickedness, Wicked Spirits, in High Places, Heavenly Places. So, these territorial spirits we are coming against are the demonic powers that have the controlling influence over specific sites, peoples, and areas. So, when praying these are the forces that could be within our neighborhoods and even the street we live. Some could be linked to deities connected to certain homes, temples, clans, cities, valleys, and nations etc. One thing I have learned as a missionary is that when you are in very heavy witchcraft areas doing the work of the Lord, fiery spiritual warfare prayers are very effective. Now you got to understand that we have different seasons of praying warfare prayers and other seasons of resting in the Lord's presence and devotion. But when the Holy Spirit calls you to pray in spiritual warfare, do not allow anyone or anything to deter you from doing so. That is also why you see me fasting all the time and encouraging others to do so because it is strengthening many to become spiritual warriors. Warfare prayers are needed in different seasons of their lives, that bring change to the very environment around us. One testimony I use is of a young sister who was led to pray our midnight warfare prayer program for a season each night. One night when she was praying, she heard a male voice try to interrupt her prayer saying, please stop praying, you are interfering with our works. It was the voice of the warlock slash witch doctor in the area that was frustrated because the prayers she was praying were interrupting the diabolical works of the warlock in the spiritual realm. Now when we are praying and fasting corporately, we really start to tear down spiritual wickedness in high places, but as a body of believers around the world we are sending a barrage of assault weapons against the enemy, that would not be possible praying just alone. For remember when we come together in agreement with two, the scripture says that we shall put ten thousand to flight. Joshua 23:10. One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you, as he promised you. We are in a spiritual battle today that requires more grace precious saints, for we are moving into a season of revival, but before revival comes, we need to be prayed up for the enemy's attacks. Matthew 11:12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. What is happening around us requires us to stand more firmly in the Lord with the pressures around us and this world system. Fasting is of the utmost importance today for many can be filled with the Holy Spirit, but until they start to fast and practice self-denial they will never walk in the power of God. 2 Corinthians 10 3-5 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. 4 For the weapons of our warfare are not, a carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, 5 Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. See our faith in God's spoken word releases the power from heaven that binds, or ties up, the evil we are facing. Similarly, when we loosen something on earth, we permit and declare, it, proper and lawful on earth. 
Matthew 16:19 I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. So, everything that we loosen or bind must be in accordance with God's word. So, knowing that this is the year to occupy for his purpose, we must press into prayer and raise up even more local prayer watches to blanket our cities with intercession. See the powers of the air recognize that the prayers of the saints have been getting through to the throne. Our intercession has been filling the bowls and stirring heaven to come to the earth, for God to open the heavens and respond with thunder, Rev 8 to 4 to 5, and the enemy knows it. The reality is that God is about to pour out his glory across the earth, bringing the true fear of the Lord upon the nations and hell is running scared. All the powers of darkness are about to be exposed for what they truly are precious saints. They are making a last-ditch effort to release a demonic terror in hopes that we will be distracted and give in to a fear that is not of God, that is what we have seen with the church over the last three years has been tested. The true fear of Lord is heaven sent to awaken our spirits to the majesty and holiness of God, the terror of hell seeks to destroy our faith and kill our purpose and destiny. What we see happening in many of these horrific attacks is the devil's preemptive attack to the fear of the Lord that is coming. But we can do something about it, as we pray. We must stand by those who are suffering from these attacks with our love, support, and prayers. But we must also take our positions in the prayer watch towers of our own communities for the days ahead precious saints. See this is another reason we started these WhatsApp groups around the nations, is to raise the end-time army of God to take their positions. We must take the offense in securing our cities for the kingdom by praying with like-minded saints in agreement for the spiritual and natural protection of the Lord. Our corporate alignment is key if we are to secure our cities and establish spiritual walls of protection that the enemy can't penetrate. We must pray for God's presence to become a wall of fire around our communities and for the fear of the Lord to permeate every street in our neighborhood. Zechariah 2:5 And I will be to her a wall of fire all around, declares the Lord, and I will be the glory in her midst. No government can adequately protect us. No legislation can guarantee our safety. Not even a president or prime minister can provide the protection that is truly needed from heaven's perspective precious saints. It is only when we humble ourselves together before the throne of grace and lift His banner over our nations and communities in oneness of heart and mind, that our boundaries will be secure from the demonic forces that seek to steal, kill, and destroy. I urge you to join with weekly and monthly fastings advertised on the WhatsApp groups for your nation because soon you will gather others to join around you that it will build that wall of fire around your city. God is raising watchpersons within this hour to pray in revival to their cities that firebrands can start the flames of repentance revival hallelujah. Reese Howell, Watchman to the World, October 10, 1879, February 13, 1950. Reese Howells was the founder of the Bible College of Wales. He came from humble beginnings in Wales, where he shunned school to go to work cutting coal in the mines to put bread on his family's table. Later, he sailed to America to get the education he had shunned and to make some money before returning to his homeland in time to witness the 1904-1905 Welsh Revival. It was from there that he gave himself fully to the Holy Spirit and immersed himself in his faith. By then he had also married and had a son, after which he and his wife were led to the mission field in southern Africa. Both Howells preached constantly and prayed deeply and fervently over the residents of Rusichu, Gazaland, and within several weeks their prayers began to change things. He preached that the source of revival is the Holy Spirit, and he and his wife prayed ardently for the Holy Spirit to come. And the revivals came, washing over congregations like an all-encompassing wave. Thousands received Christ through these renowned revivals, just as Reese Howells said they would, as the Lord had shown him in a vision. Intercession started to become a priority within his life with deep travail, agony, and authority. At this time, the Lord taught him how to pray for the sick, taking on their burdens, identifying with them until breakthrough came or not. He prayed for a consumptive woman for six months, 
but she died in the end. However, she died in victory. As Howells interceded for the sick, he began to hear God's voice more clearly, and he came to know what God's will for the sick person was, life or death. After the death of the consumptive woman, some people who were dying lived as a result of his intercession prayers. The Lord used him a lot to pray for the sick during this time, and he said he believed a new era of healing would break out in the church. The consumptive woman had four little children whose father deserted them soon after she died. The Lord directed Howells to move in with them and be their father, but this was something he was not inclined to do. He felt that he had no love for them and looking after them would severely restrict his ministry, he told God that he would only do it if he changed his heart so that he could love the children as a father. This the Lord did, pouring his love into Howells in such a way that Howells felt he loved every orphan in the world. At the last moment three of the children's aunts came forward to look after them but there remained in Howells a love of orphans. The Lord needed Howells to be a pure vessel if he was to be able to use him effectively as an intercessor. One evening he was to speak in the open air after his friend had spoken. His friend was being used so powerfully by Holy Spirit that Howells wondered if he would ever be called upon to preach. Howells was not a gifted open-air speaker and a small amount of jealousy rose inside him. Holy Spirit really convicted him and told him that he had to repent to a friend and that if it ever happened again, he would have to repent publicly. Their work spread, and more souls were saved. Over the years the couple traveled over 11,000 miles from one mission station to another, carrying their revival blessing with them wherever they went. Call to Africa Zimbabwe and South Africa. While preaching at a conference Howells received a vision of Africa. The Lord showed him the needs of the tribal people there and he realized that he and his wife were being called as missionaries there. However, they now had a baby called Samuel and Holy Spirit said, You must prove to me that you love the souls of the Africans who are to live for eternity more than you love your own son. A few weeks before they were to leave, one of Howell's uncles told him that the Lord had directed them to look after Samuel while his parents were away. In addition, Howell's sister agreed to be the child's nurse. In prayer together the Lord showed Reese and Elizabeth that their sacrifice would be rewarded by 10,000 souls. It was not until after university that Samuel came back to his father, joining him in the ministry. They left for Africa by complete faith on July 10, 1915. On arrival, they joined another missionary couple who had labored in the area now called Zimbabwe for several years. On hearing that the Howells were from the land of revival they were asked if they had brought the blessing with them. They realized that the Howells not only had experienced the 1904-1905 Welsh revival firsthand, but they were still carriers of the fire and had been a blessing to many others since. The time in language and culture learning was then waved as the hatches felt as though the Howells were the answer to their prayers. So, from their first days on the mission field, the Howells were immediately plunged into a ministry of stoking the flames of revival. For six weeks Howells spoke on revival and then Holy Spirit began to stir. The Lord told him that revival was coming and two days later, on October 10th, he came. They had two revival meetings every day for 15 months and hundreds were converted. The station where they were was founded in 1897, and several had died establishing it. They had prayed for years and now they were reaping the harvest. On hearing the news of revival an American station 40 miles away invited them to speak. At the first meeting revival came. Their faith for revival was so profound that they expected it at any moment. They waited like this for two days, and then on Sunday it happened, and according to Reese Howells. The Sunday was October 10th, my birthday, and as I preached in the morning, you could feel the Spirit coming on the congregation. In the evening, down he came. I shall never forget it. He came upon a young girl, Kuface by name, who had fasted for three days under conviction that she was not ready for the Lord's coming. As she prayed, she broke down crying, and within five minutes the whole congregation were on their faces crying to God. Like lightning and thunder the power came down. I had never seen this, even in the Welsh revival. 
I had only heard about it with Finney and others. Heaven had opened, and there was no room to contain the blessing. I lost myself in the spirit and prayed as much as they did. All I could say was, he has come. We went on until late in the night, we couldn't stop the meeting. What he told me before I went to Africa was actually taking place, and that within six weeks. You can never describe those meetings when the Holy Spirit comes down. I shall never forget the sound in the district that night, praying in every crawl, homestead. The next day he came again, and people were on their knees till 6 p.m. This went on for six days and people began to confess their sins and come free as the Holy Spirit brought them through. They had forgiveness of sins and met the Savior as only the Holy Spirit can reveal Him. Everyone who came near would go under the spell of the Spirit. People stood up to give their testimonies, and it was nothing to see 25 on their feet at the same time. At the end of one week nearly all were through. We had two revival meetings every day for 15 months without a single break, and meetings all day on Fridays. Hundreds were converted, but we were looking for more, for the 10,000, upon whom he had told us we had a claim. The news spread and they were asked to go down to a missionary conference in Durban. It was then suggested that they go around all the mission stations in South Africa. Revival touched that conference, and the missionaries went home to prepare for their visit and the hope for revival. They returned to their station after a two-year revival tour. They arrived back in Wales on Christmas Day 1920. They had done other exploits but were eventually led back to Wales where God showed them that they were to build the largest Bible college in Wales, which became known as the Bible College of Wales, BCW. But that left a lingering question, how were they to pay for it? They were certainly not wealthy in any sense of the word. But they obeyed the Lord, having complete and utter faith in Him, and set about the work with a grand total of 15 cents between them. The Bible College of Wales was dedicated on Easter of 1924, the result of unshakable faith and fervent prayer, after many spiritual battles and tests of faith. The BCW grew in scope and reach. On a chilly December morning, Reese Howells heard the following message in his spirit, Every creature, every creature. This was a commission from God to give the gospel to every creature, and it became their mission to intercede on behalf of those who were lost, to serve others, and to be responsible for making sure that every creature heard the message of the gospel. The staff wept before God for hours, utterly broken, seeing the sin in their own hearts that was revealed by His light. And as their prayers grew more fervent, they also felt the increasing presence of the Holy Spirit among them. It was during that time that the First World War broke out, killing multitudes of people, and their team of passionate intercessors began to earnestly pray for the lost. Reese Howells went to be with the Lord in 1950, but his tireless work, godly vision and lasting legacy of fervent prayer still serve as a shining example of living in this world for the sole purpose of bringing people to Christ. Intercession prayer is the greatest force on earth. Reese Howells, 1935. Howell speaks prophetically of a company of discerning watchmen who stand on a wall on behalf of us all and understand and interpret the signs of the times, praying clear through until breakthrough occurs. I see the WhatsApp groups that we have created for the 68-plus nations who have put their hands up as being this remnant of watch persons around the world. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night, ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. And give him no rest, till he establishes, and till he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth, Isaiah 62 6-7. In the same way, this scripture above should be one that we seek to emulate, believing for a miraculous Holy Spirit outcome from our prayers for many souls to come into the kingdom before His imminent snatching away of the Bride of Christ. Like many other revivalists we have been studying that have gone before us, they all represent the ones who stand on the wall and do not rest until major shifts take place on this earth. For our prayer shakes the heavens when we anguish in prevailing prayer. They are watchmen, who stand guard, setting their faces like flint toward the Lord, anticipating the soon coming of Jesus and the promised end-time revival. Prayer Focus Day 2. 
Pray for unbelievers to be saved. Pray that people's hearts will be open to repent of their sins and confess Jesus as Savior. Pray that every person in the world will be able to hear the Gospel and the Word of God in their native language, Matt. 9 37-38, Romans 10 1, 2 Peter 3 9, Acts 26 18. Pray for repentance revival to visit your nation that the Lord will bring about a national spiritual awakening. Pray that Jesus will revive the Church and awaken your nation to His greatness and supremacy. Pray that God will pour out His Spirit on your nation, forgive our sin, and heal our land. Pray that millions of people in your nation will be convicted by the Holy Spirit, repent of their sins, and turn to God with all their hearts, 2 Chronicles 7:14, Dan. 9:18-19, Psalms 85-6, Habakkuk 3-2, Acts 2-37-41. Pray for unity between pastors and churches. Pray that denominational, theological, and ethnic walls will come down so that pastors will love each other, pray together, and serve each other, John 17 20-23, Psalms 133-1, Ephesians 4-3-6. Pray for families. Pray that Jesus will heal, restore, and strengthen every marriage and family. Pray that husbands will love their wives like Christ loves the church and that wives will respect and submit to their husbands. Pray that the hearts of parents will be turned toward their children to love them and raise them in a God-honoring way. Pray that children will respect and obey their parents, Genesis 2:24, Josh. 24:15, Psalms 127:3-5, Malachi 4:6, Ephesians 5:22-33, 6-1-4. Pray for racial reconciliation. Pray that God will heal your nation of racism and tribalism and that God will use the church to stand against racial conflict, violence, and prejudice. The church must lead the way in racial reconciliation by modeling love and respect for every person regardless of the color of their skin or their ethnic background, Romans 10 12-13, Galatians 3 28, Acts 10 28, 34-35, John 7 24, 1 John 2 9, James 2 9, Revelation 7 9. Pray for life to be valued and protected through all stages of life, beginning at conception. Pray for God to break the culture of death in your nation and restore a culture of life. Pray for legalized abortion to come to an end in Jesus' mighty name. Psalms 139-13-16, Jeremiah 1-5, Proverbs 24-11, Deuteronomy 21-8-9. Pray for local and national government leaders. Pray that they would be born again and God will give them wisdom to make wise decisions and to govern with integrity, justice, and mercy, 1 Tim. 2 1-2, Romans 13 1, 1 Peter 2 17, Titus 3 1-2, Micah 6 8. Pray for your home, community, and nation to be a dwelling place for God's presence. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within, Zechariah 2 5. Pray and start to thank the Lord for the light of His presence which brings strength and favor in Jesus' mighty name. Psalm 89 15-17. Praise Him for His presence which disarms the enemy, Psalm 31 20, Exodus 33 14. Also start thanking God for His presence which prevents any deception or falsehood from taking hold in your nation, Psalm 101 7. Start to pray for and invite the fear of the Lord to rest upon your community and nation in a powerful way, Psalm 34 7, Isaiah 8 13-14. Prayer to remove wicked workers. Heavenly Father in the mighty name of your Son Jesus Christ, we come boldly to your mercy seat through the blood of your Son. Today we ask that you arise and cause all willful workers of wickedness that are operating around us either in our families, in our churches, in our cities or in our nations to be removed from all positions of power, prominence, prestige in Jesus' mighty name. May all those operating under demonic powers be rendered powerless and all seats of power destroyed this day in Jesus' mighty name. 
Father, open the eyes of all those still being deceived by such wicked workers and replace all those wicked workers with righteous people who only stand for righteousness in Jesus' mighty name. Yes, those who will work for your righteous cause and who will stand in high places in our churches, cities, and nations from anything from government officials to any influence in our communities in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we pray that you would pull down all mandates, so that your gospel can be preached to the nations without any restrictions or troubles in Jesus' mighty name. Lord as it is declared, may it be established today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Prayer for peace within you nation. Dear Heavenly Father in the mighty name of Jesus Christ we come before you this day. You are the sovereign ruler, the mover of mountains, the victor of impossible victories. You are Lord over earthquakes and tsunamis, over nations in turmoil, civil unrest and terrorist plots, over starving children and fleeing refugees and prisoners tortured for their faith. You speckled the sky with stars and set the earth spinning like a top. You own everything, control everything. Your hand allows each mind to think and teaches each heart to beat. There is nothing you cannot do. So, I pray, even though it seems impossible. Bring an end to violence, hatred, racism, discord, and riots. Steady the feet that rush into war and the finger poised on the trigger. Bring justice to the downtrodden, restoration to the marginalized and abused, hope to the hopeless. Guide all those in positions of power, whether that power is political or physical or social, and give them wisdom to use their power wisely. Give them, and all of us, the grace to admit when we are wrong and to seek forgiveness. Give us the grace to forgive. Help us see your face and the faces of the people around us. Give us courage to love one another even when love seems like a risk. Give us compassion for those who are unlike us. Teach us to listen to those we disagree with, to hear stories that make us uncomfortable. Heal the hatred in the world around us by healing our own hearts first. May you grant your people and the people of all nations your healing, grace, and freedom today in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, may you continue providing your protection and empowering your church with your strength to pray at this hour. We ask that you bring about an awakening of your presence never seen before upon the nations, as we are crying out for revival. We ask that your name be proclaimed, that all plans to silence the name of Jesus would be thwarted and crushed in Jesus' mighty name. We pray that many would come to know you as Lord and Savior, we pray that many would see your light, that you would open blind eyes and release those still imprisoned spiritually by the enemy. Help us to put aside our own feelings that may be jumbled and confused now, so that we may be in service of others, our families and friends, neighbors and around the world. Help us remember your high calling to us to be agents of forgiveness and reconciliation, love and peace, healing and hope in a world made dark by fear and hatred and brokenness. Help us to rebuild this nation by seeking out your image in the face of others, finding the best in us to serve those who are the least, the lost and the lonely. Help us to remember that perfect love casts out fear. Help us to perfect our love for others so that they may know we are Christians by our love. We pray that you would unify your people, for the glory of your name's sake. We pray for your great healing on our land. Shine your face on us dear God. We need you now, more than ever before. Our times are in your hands. Thank you that you are rich in mercy and full of grace. Thank you that you are forgiving and merciful. Thank you that you are strong and mighty. Thank you that you are for us and that you fight for us still today. Bring honor to your name, O Lord, for you alone are worthy in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Day 3, Wrestling in Prayer. Saturday, July 29, 2023. Scripture Text, Colossians 4:12-13. Apophras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and, a complete in all the will of God. 13 For I bear him witness that he has a great, be zeal for you, and those who are in Laodicea, and those in Heropolis. 
Prevailing prayer and wrestling in prayer are terms that are not common today in this current church age and perhaps one reason that few wrestle in prayer today is that few have the understanding needed and the perseverance required for its strenuous demands. Apophras wrestled in prayer for the church at Colossae, Colossians 4:12-13. For us to see repentance revival come to the nations, it will only start through those willing to wrestle in prayer. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, He offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save Him from death and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. We must passionately pray the promises that God has laid on our hearts until they come forth. We must wrestle and cry out to God on our knees. Are you desperate enough to pray over the promises that God has given you? Are you willing to pay the price to bring them to birth? Do not give up. There is too much at stake. So, what is fervent prayer? So, what is fervent prayer? It means being on fire for the Lord and having fire in your belly. It does not mean a rambling of half-hearted platitudes recited before dinner or a daily recitation of the ills of daily living. The truth is that kind of emotion cannot be faked, it cannot be manufactured. It is real and it is stunning in its intensity. That's what it means to be on fire for God. And it comes from love for God and deep compassion for the lost, a true, deep love that is all-encompassing. And that cannot be manufactured either, for Spirit of God imparts. Remember this always, prevailing prayer brings forth birth standing on the spoken rhema word. Romans 10:17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith takes two things, first the written scriptures, hope, which is the logos and then the spoken personal word of God, faith, which is the rhema word of God, Romans 10:17. The scriptures show us the general will of God and communicate the conditions that must be met to receive faith and see His hand move. His spoken personal word, rhema, reveals His will to us personally and lets us know when we have met those conditions. The goal is to hear God confirm His promise and let Him place His witness into our heart. The promise then comes alive and becomes a reality to us. When you truly have your spiritual eyes open and have a revelation to the state of things around you, you will recognize what is at stake, the eternal destiny of an unsaved loved one, the success of an urgent endeavor, the life of a sick one, the honor of the name of God, the welfare of the kingdom of God. Wrestling in prayer enlists all the capacities of your soul, marshals your deepest holy desire, and by the grace of God uses all the perseverance of your holy determination. You push through a host of difficulties. You push back the heavy, threatening clouds of darkness. You reach beyond the visible and natural to the very throne of God. With all your strength and tenacity, you lay hold of God's grace and power as it becomes a passion of your soul. Remember Jacob wrestling with the angel until he received the blessing? Let us look at that passage again. Jacob wrestled with God. Genesis 32 24-26 Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the, a breaking of day. 25 Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he, be touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. 26 And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. As Jacob found out, tenacious, persevering prayer eventually pays off precious saints and how much more for us today that desire revival within these end times. For Jacob wrestled all night in Genesis 32 24-26. He would not let go until God blessed him and we also should not give up until we see our results. Ephesians 6 11-12, AMP, put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavy armed soldier, which God supplies, that you may be able successfully to stand up against, all, the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the despotisms, against, the master spirits who are, the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly, supernatural, sphere.
When Paul wrote that our struggle, or wrestling match, is against the forces of darkness, he had in mind the backdrop of the Olympic-style games in ancient Greece. Each wrestler sought to throw his opponent onto the ground and put his own foot on his opponent's neck. Ephesians 6 11-12 says that we wrestle in prayer against the world rulers of darkness and the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. In one sense, we are in a wrestling match with the enemy, but we are the winners when we persevere. Daniel pushed in prayer. Daniel 1 8 But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank, therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel lived i the midst of Satan's greatest stronghold. Babylon is the biblical center of demons and devils. It is said that this was the location of the first church of Lucifer and a place from whence every unclean power has spread to debauch the world. Everything unclean had its origin in this location, yet Daniel defied hell, stood his ground, and saw the God of heaven revealed, exalted, and vindicated as the only true God. He did it by prevailing prayer. God always uses a godly saint to show up the devil when we stay true to God's word. So, imagine at this time hell had spread its tent over the known world until Babylonia was the golden kingdom on earth. Its vileness was drowning men in devil worship and sexual debauchery. Men worshipped goddesses in feminine attire, while women worshipped gods in masculine garb. Sexual orgies were the ultimate act of worship to please these gods from hell. Does this sound familiar to the world that we live in today? Because behind all the glamour, power and wealth of this earth are also those that serve and worship Satan in the same manner. So, Daniel was amid this hellish society but fell on his face before the true God YWHW and set his heart like a flint. Daniel 10 2 In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. Three I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Daniel 10:12-13. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand, and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. 13 But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Imagine precious saints if one man in the stronghold of hell's capital at that time can defy the powers of darkness and witness a revelation of deliverance and victory through prevailing prayer, what can we do in our day and age to see repentance revival? It just depends on our willingness to pay the cost of total surrender and give ourselves to the Word of God and travailing prayer. Satan sent reinforcements when he saw the resolve of Daniel to persist in prevailing prayer. The victory was given to the man who dared to believe and persevere. It has always been settled that travailing prevailing prayer is God's method to see sudden breakthroughs. Father, Daniel Nash, a mighty man of prayer November 17, 1775, December 20, 1831. Now Daniel Nash or best known as Father Nash was the man that prevailed in prayers behind the success of evangelist and revivalist Charles Finney from the Second Awakening in the United States of America. Daniel Nash began his ministry as a preacher in upstate New York. He saw revival twice in his pastorate and was a key figure behind the scenes in one of the greatest revivals in the history of the United States. During the day in which he lived not many people knew his name, while others paid little attention to him, but God knew his name. Daniel Nash was a man of God, a man of rare humility not seeking the limelight. He understood his call to pray in the background was the higher calling for him and though it is said he only meet Charles Finney a few times, when he dies that is also the same time Charles Finney stopped the revival meeting outreaches. So, though he was not known by many the devil also knew his name and trembled every time he entered the room, for he was the devil's worst nightmare when he prayed until God came down. Because of prayer he carried a powerful anointing and authority while aflame with a burning love for Christ and lost souls. He made such a huge impact that many will not fully understand, but heaven does very well.
Though he prayed in private, yet he often prayed with such fervency that others became aware of his praying. This was not intended, but simply was the release of a deeply burdened soul. The lady at the boarding house became aware of his groans as he prayed. His enemies claimed, that it was impossible for him to pray in secret since, whether he went into his closet or the woods, he prayed with such vehemence that he could be heard half a mile away. While this was likely an exaggeration of his normal practice, there is a record of a single occurrence of note. In the revival at Governor, in which the great majority of the inhabitants, Finney believed, were converted, Nash rose very early and went into a forest to pray. It was one of those clear mornings, said Finney, on which it is possible to hear sounds at a great distance. Nearly a mile away lived an unsaved man who suddenly heard Nash's voice raised in prayer, and no matter how hard he tried, he couldn't shake the reality of his urgent need for a Savior. In fact, he experienced no relief until he found it in Christ. Imagine Nash used to go ahead of Charles Finney, weeks before meetings, and when Daniel Nash looked out the window of his accommodation, falling to their knees in the street repenting, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, only then would he send for the evangelist Charles Finney to come to that place and revival would continue to break out with many sinners hearing the gospel for the first time. Charles Finney once said, When I got to town to start a revival a lady contacted me who ran a boarding house. She said, Brother Finney, do you know a Father Nash? He and two other men have been at my boarding house for the last three days, but they have not eaten a bite of food. I opened the door and peeped in at them because I could hear them groaning, and I saw them down on their faces. They have been this way for three days, lying prostrate on the floor and groaning. I thought something awful must have happened to them. I was afraid to go in and I did not know what to do. Would you please see about them? No, it is not necessary, I replied. They just have a spirit of travail in prayer. Someone asked Finney what kind of man Father Nash was. We never see him. He does not enter into any of the meetings. Finney replied, like anybody who does a lot of praying, Father Nash is a very quiet person. Show me a person who is always talking, and I will show you a Christian who never does much praying. With so many today in ministry today it is very hard to find such people that are not focused on their own agendas or ambitions. God needs to raise these warrior intercessors more than ever before. Charles Finney in his autobiography spoke of the atmosphere of places Father Nash had gone to prevail in prayer. I should say a few words about the spirit of prayer that which prevailed in Rome during this time. Indeed, the whole town was full of prayer. Go where you would, you heard the voice of prayer. In fact, if you walked down the street you would often see Christians meet, join hands, and pray. Wherever people met they were always praying. They carried a burden for lost souls, and they knew how to travail in the Spirit to see the lost come to Christ. Things in Rome, New York and the surrounding area were so charged with the presence of God that people who entered the region felt that powerful presence in a beautiful way. Tears fell freely there in His tangible glory. Revival had rained down there because of ongoing fervent prayer. Today the Lord is preparing a company of forerunners that know how to pray and intercede, they shake heaven and earth with continuous deep intercession. You will find them lying on the floor in deep groaning for many hours, weeping for the lost. Lord, you are no respecter of persons, therefore we ask what you have done in the heart of Father Nash you can do in us Lord who desire the genuine revival to come. Give us a heart to pray for revival. Let us spend time birthing the next great awakening and repentance revival while there's still time Lord. I see many fervent forerunners arising just like Father Nash and those he traveled with. Those unnamed people with him were great men and forerunners of a prayer movement that brought transformation to the Second Awakening. Today Father Nash speaks a prophetic message to the Church of our day, if our spiritual ears are tuned to hear it precious saints. Nash speaks prophetically of a company of intercessors who know how to wrestle in prayer until the answer comes. He exemplified the kind of fervency in prayer that births and sustains a great awakening and promised repentance revival coming. But today, rather than one Daniel Nash, 
the Holy Spirit is raising up a company of like-minded believers who know how to passionately pray until breakthrough comes and lingers indefinitely, ushering in the last great harvest of souls in this end-time repentance revival. Some have been in the spiritual wilderness and have been separated from all the apostasy that we are seeing all around us. While others are yet to come to the forefront in prayer, but the WhatsApp groups are a platform to encourage this lifestyle of prayer that goes beyond our own shopping lists and needs but focuses on what God's heart wants us to pray. These are those that are praying for a next great awakening, and they will see it precious saints you can be rest assured. You will find them birthing with travail this pure move of God that only God will receive all the glory. For even as the Lord used Jonathan Edwards in the first great awakening and Charles Finney in the second awakening, God will do a greater work before His soon coming precious saints. Prayer Focus Day 3. Demons, in the name of Jesus Christ, I now command you to leave myself and my house, and you are to never, ever come back on me again. I repeat, you are to leave me and my house for good, and you are to never, ever come back on me again. Go now, in the name of Jesus. I repeat, go now in the name of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and do not ever come back into my life or in this house ever again. Lord whatever evil altar is speaking against my life, my health, business, my family, and my properties be destroyed by the Holy Spirit fire in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I command all strong man and evil patterns in my life to depart and go back to the pit of hell now, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I release the fire of the Holy Spirit against every evil strong man in my Father's house in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I break every cycle of evil pattern in my life in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I command every evil cycle existing in my family to be broken today, in the mighty name of Jesus. Let every plan of the enemy to stop my miracles be broken to pieces today, in the mighty name of Jesus. Let the blood of Jesus erase the legal ground that the enemy has against me, in the mighty name of Jesus. I command all the strongholds of the enemy in my life be abolished today, in the mighty name of Jesus. I command all words contrary to God's word spoken against or over me to fall to the ground and bear no fruit, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I release fiery angels to remove every stumbling block and obstacle on my path to success in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, all that I am, and all that I have, I commit fully to you. I offer myself to you as one who will engage in spiritual warfare for the sake of your kingdom, one who will pull down strongholds in your name, not only individual strongholds but also national ones. And I will be one who removes the high places in my own life and in the realm of the church. Please use me, for the sake of your kingdom and your eternal purposes. Amen. Every loss or, delay, or disruption that I have ever suffered or am suffering as a result because of the operations of this Spirit in my life, is hereby underwritten by the blood of Jesus, through the completed works of Christ on the cross of Calvary. I break free from every hindrance, I break my family free of every hindrance, I break this church free from every hindrance, I break my destiny free in the name of Jesus. I receive strength in Christ to move forward in progress and prosperity. I will not be discouraged, I will not be confounded, I will not be dismayed. Precious saints you have been praying for God to show or tell you what to do. Today, you will go a step further by praying for Him to give you both the wisdom and divine strategies to accomplish the vision He has put in your heart, and the strategies to accomplish the breakthrough you are believing Him for, or the establishment of the prophetic words that have been spoken into your life. Again, specifically bring the new month of August before God, and pray for God to release, reveal the strategies that you need for the new season ahead. Pray for increased sensitivity to the voice and leading of the Holy Spirit and for clarity to understand His promptings. Pray for God to overturn the wisdom table of the adversary and turn their schemes to defraud, rob or cheat you of your rightful reward, to be frustrated and annulled in the name of Jesus. I call forth and pray for the release of the provisions, resources and helpers that are needed in each month, for God's counsel slash purpose for the month of August by calling forth your season, 
your destiny to be fulfilled in Jesus' mighty name. Thank God in advance and in faith, for answering your prayers, and for the miracles, blessings, breakthroughs, testimonies, victories that the remaining of 2023 will bring into your life, as the Lord tarries. Look back over the past three days and thank the Lord for every transition and shift, no matter how small, you have made, spiritually, emotionally, and physically, during this period of fasting and praying. As Jesus has said concerning the power in fasting and prayers, your faith should go up a notch over this period of your fasting for the last two days, as you believe and expect that there will be a shifting and resolution of all those issues over the next few days. Pray for a new and great manifestation of God's miracle power in your life, your church, and your nation. Seek the Lord for miracles, signs, and wonders that will amaze the people and bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray that God's healing power would come into your life in all its fullness. Ask that He would heal you from sickness and disease, and from every hurt, brokenness, and defeat. 3 John verses 2, Isaiah 53 5. There are hidden strongholds that are blocking your progress in life. Pray against those strongholds. Ask God to reveal them to you so that they can be broken, 2 Corinthians 10 3-5. Name the specific stronghold in your life and family and command it to be broken in Jesus' name. Thank the Lord that He is changing you. Thank Him for His love that does not want to leave you the way you are. Pray that His plans and His will come to pass in your life as you submit to Him. Pray that the Lord's light shall break forth like the morning and that you would also shine like the morning light and break through all darkness around you in Jesus' mighty name. Isaiah 61-4. Pray that you would arise in boldness and shine precious saints, so you can positively impact all those around you and your family and all else in Jesus' mighty name. Pray that your light has come, and favor shall be your portion in Jesus' mighty name. Psalm 5:12. Pray that your loved ones, sons, and daughters will come home that have gone away from the Lord. Pray for the salvation of friends and family before His soon coming in Jesus' mighty name. Pray this prayer, Father, we are confident of this very thing, that He who has begun a good decent work in us, and in Robert Clancy's ministry will fulfill it. Give, thanks to God for this and for answered prayers in your personal life also that He would provide for you according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Remember as you pray for others, God takes care of your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Pray and declare aloud, by God's grace as we have met this year of 2023, that the remaining will continue to be a year of preparing for the Lord's coming for me. Pray for all the single people partaking in the fast who are seeking life partners. Ask God to guide them to the person who will really be a blessed spouse. Pray for wisdom, guidance, and strength to overcome fleshly desires and keep them ready for your soon coming. Amen. Father, I have full faith and belief that you have now driven all these demons out of my body, out of my soul, out of my house, and out of my life for good by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, I now ask that you protect both me and my family from this moment on, and that you never allow these demons to come back on us ever again. Father, to you be all the glory. To you be all the praise, glory and honor that is only due to you. Father, thank you for this deliverance. Father, thank you for this new life. Father, I now ask that you take complete control of my life from this moment on and that you lead me into your perfect will for my life. Father, Guide me by your Holy Spirit into the direction and path that you will want me to take in this life. My life is no longer my own. I now belong to you, and you alone in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Day 4, Travailing in Prayer. Sunday, July 30, 2023. Scripture text, Romans 8:26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Precious saints we as God's children, can give birth to His plans through our prayers and intercession. Many of us at this very moment are pregnant with God's plans and need to learn how to release His plans and purposes through prayer. 
One powerful way we do that is through travailing prayer. Webster's New World Dictionary defines travail as 1. Very hard work, 2. The pains of childbirth, 3. Intense pain, to suffer the pains of childbirth. Further, the definition of travailing prayer is, to birth, to bear, to have a conception and then deliver it, to be troubled, to toil and writhe in pain, to feel a weight upon you. Galatians 4:19. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I am going through labor pains, travail, for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. Now if you have ever felt so heavily burdened as you pray for a person or situation that you begin to cry, moan or groan, you have experienced travailing prayer. Travailing prayer is given to us by the Holy Spirit and releases His power into a situation to produce or give birth to something. It is hard work and can be very exhausting, but God's grace and power bring us through. It is a privilege to be used by God in this way. Examples of intense travailing prayer. David praying for seven days prostrate on the floor that his infant son who was seriously ill would live. 2 Samuel 12, 15-23. Hannah, who was barren, praying with anguished tears to be able to bear a son. 1 Samuel 1, 9-18. Daniel praying with fasting and in sackcloth and ashes for God's mercy on exiled and disobedient Israel. Daniel 9 1-19. Jeremiah mourning and lamenting in prayer for his people. Jeremiah 8 18-22, 9 1. Example of intercessory pains. Groaning groaning in intercession is a deep emotional sound as though in severe pain, grief, or agony. It may happen in silence in your spirit or in a moaning sound, John 11 33, Ram 8 23, 2 Co 5-2, 2 Co 5-4, Luke 19-41-44. This happens when the Holy Spirit lays upon the intercessor's spirit and soul the burden and pain of Jesus concerning His people. The Holy Spirit also uses this method to intercede for us, Ram 8 26. In 1 Samuel 1 10-13, Hannah cried in severe grief. Eli did not understand what was going on with her but thought she was drunk. People who are drunk are under the influence of a spirit. Hannah was also groaning under the influence of a spirit, but it was the Holy Spirit. Weeping weeping brings great harvest and is one of the expressions of the Holy Spirit in intercession. Whenever the Spirit weeps in us, we are bearing seeds of deliverance, salvation, and breakthrough, Psalms 126 5-6. This weeping is a weeping that comes either in silence or loud as though in great distress, Luke 19:41-44. Jeremiah was one of the prophets that wept constantly for God's children, Jeremiah 9:1, 17-21. Mourning intercessors mourn over the people's sin and over the proclaimed judgment of God over a nation or people. In the Old Testament this was done in various ways, loud lamentation, as rending the clothes, wearing sackcloth, sprinkling dust or ashes, and sitting in silence. In this modern time, we do not do these things, nevertheless, we mourn in our soul over God's people and the sins of the country. Wailing wailing is basically making a loud crying noise in intercession. This is the same as howling, Jer 25:36. It is more than just a cry, it is a noise as a mourning woman, bewailing her dead loved one, Matt 2:18. Travailing this is the pain that comes with giving birth. Jer 4:31, Mike 4:10. In intercession, the intercessor feels the same pain in his or her bowels as though in literal labor. This pain is the pain of the burden of the people of God, which usually comes with screaming, agony etc. Just as a woman gives birth to a child, an intercessor gives birth to breakthroughs in the lives of the saints of God. Now for those that move in the gift of healing God can even make you feel the person's sickness to either identify it to rebuke that spirit or to have compassion for the person you are praying for. The Lord hears the travailing prayers of His people. Today there are many people living at ease, not grasping the importance of the hour. God is looking for individuals who will stand with Him in intercession and travail for souls, 
ones who know the significance of the days in which we are living. You may be one God chooses to travail over nations or cities, over this generation of youth, and over unsaved relatives or co-workers. God is bringing you deeper in Him for a purpose. Do not give up. I believe God is calling all to intercede in a deeper way through the help of the Holy Spirit. Yes, He is preparing you for something very significant if you will submit your will to His. Remember that when you go deep with God, you gain power, anointing and most importantly deeper intimacy. Your prayers have an element of urgency and authority when you pray from your heart, because in your training through the trials of life, you receive God's heart. God is looking for those who will not fall asleep, but who will travail to birth His kingdom purposes on earth. Travail is a cry of desperation. It is worth it to press in, travail, cry out, seek, and passionately hunger after God. Travail brings forth birth. It is a powerful way to touch heaven and change earth with our prayers. God's first requirement in ministry is barrenness. God looks for people who are incapable of producing life on their own, those who have come to the end of their own striving and honestly admit their true condition. Most of us, not wanting to bear this reproach, go around feigning life. Our activities become the substitute for the anointing. Programs replace productivity and prayer. Life seems to abound everywhere, until one looks below the surface and realizes it is only a veneer, a form of godliness that lacks power. Why does God insist on barrenness as a prerequisite for blessing? Simply because no flesh can glory in it. God must strip us first so that He alone is glorified. David Ravenhill. Birthing from travailing. Travail is hard work and can be compared to childbirth. If you talk to any mother, you know that there is intense pain and agony involved in childbirth. Travail is a form of intense intercession that is initiated by the Holy Spirit. In travailing prayer, an individual or group is gripped with that which grips the heart of God. Travail happens after you have carried something in your heart for a period. It can be a burden, a promise, or a longing that God has put in your heart. There comes a time to bring the burden to birth through prayer. God is the initiator who desires to bring forth life. Through travail He creates an opening that has been closed. When we listen carefully as we read His Word, we receive His heart to pray His purposes in travailing prayer. This opening provides the way for the birthing of God's purposes and plans. We wrestle in prayer to see God's plans birthed here on earth. We agonize to see God move in certain situations and to see the lost saved. The prayer of travail is God desiring to create an opening to bring forth a measure of life or growth. If the opening was already in place, there would not be the need for travail. Just as the opening of the natural womb is enlarged to bring forth the baby, so travail creates an opening or way, whereas before the opening or way was closed. With travail, there is always a way open for life, newness, change, or growth. Strongholds come down in travailing prayer. We are in a spiritual battle and if you think that lukewarm praying is going to stop hell and bind destroying devils, we are grossly deceived precious saints. Every great move of God in the Bible or in the history of God's saints screams out the answer. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Matthew 11:12. In fact no revival starts from nowhere, though it can come suddenly. All revivals are birthed through prayer and if we want to see revival, we must be willing to tarry in prayer precious saints. Hence why you see me encouraging prayer and fasting all the time. See our battle is not against human force or flesh powers, but against all the forces of darkness. Our Heavenly Father is always looking for someone to stand in the gap in travailing prayer. Prayer, interceding, travailing prayer is God's first line of spiritual operation. When God is ready to do some marvelous work of eternal consequence, He first prepares human channels of travailing prayer to lay the foundation. Powerful prayer can no more be the work of flesh alone than can preaching, miracles of healing or the breaking of demon powers. Effective prayer is a work of the Holy Spirit in willing and released human vessels. 
Prayer that has no divine element and anointing is like the dead letter of the law without the unction of the Holy Spirit. It kills instead of resurrects. Fleshly prayer creates false assurance, deadens those exercised therein and causes the individuals to substitute activity for spirit. The more a church or an individual is involved in fleshly praying, the more they become centered on soulish and fleshly support for their religious programs. Gimmicks, entertainment, emotionally titillating methods, and all kinds of fleshly operations become master. The church becomes nothing better than the fleshpots of Egypt. Everything changes when men-slash-women begin to pray in a spirit-directed fashion. Prayer becomes fellowship and communion with God in the deepest sense. Our entire mindset becomes one of total dependency on God. We learn to hate religious activity and empty speech. Religious sight, sound and sensation become as annoying to the praying believer as it already is to the Lord Jesus Christ. The soul that becomes inclined to God because of Holy Spirit-anointed travail takes on His nature and glory, but in a dependent fashion. Everything we see about the prosperity gospel today is all promoting the lust after wealth and things which characterizes our modern television preachers and their horde of lust-filled followers. The Scripture is speaking of the Forcer Himself, none other than the Holy Spirit. This forcer acts upon the crucified flesh of sanctified saints who are dead to this world and available for God Himself to wear like a garment. This garment that God wears as travailing prayer becomes a barrier to the marching of hell over human souls and turns the tide of destruction. The day of Pentecost found 120 souls that had become vessels of honor ready to be filled. They had been forged upon the anvil of absolute surrender and were ready to suffer all loss just to be the representative of the resurrected Savior. The Holy Ghost did not just touch them, he possessed them and became the king of all their ambitions. They became his garment, and he was manifested in them as he previously had been in the temple. The glory that Solomon saw so breathtaking that the priest could not stand to minister was now revealed in human temples, lives. They turned the world upside down. Travailing prayer was their first line of attack. They prayed until buildings shook, prison doors swung open, demons fled in terror and a multitude was converted. Nothing could stop them because they were possessed of God to pray. Jesus also travailed in the Garden of Gethsemane, in Luke 22:44, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Hebrews 5 7 speaks of Jesus' travailing prayers, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. It is important that, as we travail, we pray until the burden is lifted. Also, this type of praying is usually best done in the privacy of our own prayer times and is also more effective that way. More about that another time. God bless you and your loved ones. Revival brings open heaven. So let us just look back at history and see how the great revival started in Argentina in the mid-1900s. See because the principality over that oppressive nation was bound up for a period through the prayers of the remnant church. Imagine once it was bound the atmosphere changed and people that were closed off to the gospel, were now suddenly open to the gospel. Even the pastors and evangelists were moving in remarkable miracles that they previously had never done before. People were rushing to any prayer meetings, crusades, and churches to be healed, delivered and or saved. The nation went from being hardened to God, to being open to the gospel. It was like a light being switched on. Once the fallen angel was bound, the heavens opened over Argentina and light shined all over the nation. Binding principalities is a major key to revival precious saints and God can also do remarkable things through the remnant church that will cry out to Him in unity for revival. I am never going to deny God cannot bring a revival even today, but where is the remnant bride that are crying out for God's mercy day and night? When I was in South Africa recently the Holy Spirit revealed to me in one meeting that the momentum for this revival will increase more and more upon the earth and one of the key hallmarks for this revival will be the deep repentance of people crying out to God that will bring personal encounters with God. 
Satan will send reinforcements to aid his dark spirits but fear not as long as your heart is pure. Heaven has been awaiting your travail and God is on his throne. Do not number the saints in sin as King David did. Trust only in the infallible promises of Holy Scripture. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Psalms 138 2b. Prophetic Intercession. To engage in prophetic intercession is to commit to praying through God's prophetic purposes. In this ministry you become a co-laborer working together with God, you enter partnership with the Almighty. Prophetic is only prophetic, if it brings you into the knowledge of what is on the heart and mind of God. It can be an inner conviction of His will, a sudden revelation from His Word, hearing the condition of some situation or event that triggers the prophetic spirit to move and react. When you learn to pray about everything that is on your heart you will become sensitive to the Spirit, and you will find that some things to which you are praying will bring tears to your eyes or you might feel very emotional. Not always, but much of the time that is the Spirit of God accompanying you in your prayer. When this occurs, you must continue praying for that subject matter until you feel a release. Prophetic intercession is waiting before God in order to hear or to receive God's burden, His word, His concern, His directive, His vision, or His promises, then responding back to the Lord and or to the people with appropriate actions or instructions. When operating in prophetic intercession, there may be times of weeping and travailing. Sometimes one may experience pain in his slash her body. There are burdens given for an immediate response and there are others you will carry with you over a period. When you have the heart of God, you will begin to experience brokenness and your heart begin to connect with the purposes of God's heart, Luke 2:36. Prophetic intercessors have the ability to receive instant prayer requests from the prompting of the Spirit of God that should be prayed about until the burden is lifted. Prophetic intercession often come with instruction, direction, guidance, confirmation and warning regarding unseen situations and circumstances. Prophetic intercession can come in the form of a sudden urge or a prayer burden, prayer prompting, strong crying and or a certain feeling of sadness flowing deep within. I have even experienced a sensation of hunger, but not for food. This is an example of God interrupts an intercessor's schedule and stepping in to alter certain situations for another person. Prophetic intercession paves the way for the fulfillment of the promises and prayer requests. Prophetic intercession is an urgency or pulling on one spirit to pray, given by the Holy Spirit for situations or circumstances with which you have little knowledge of in the natural. When we do this, we begin to pray requests that are in the heart of God. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but He revealeth His secret unto His servants the prophets, Amos 3 7. Prophetic intercession includes intercession and prophecy. As we pray what the Holy Spirit reveals, God releases it in the earth. Prophetic intercession is where the anointing of the prophet and priest merge together and plead with God about situations and circumstances in order to fulfill God's divine purpose and will. But if they are prophets, and if the word of the Lord is with them, let them now make intercession to the Lord of hosts. Jeremiah 27:18. Praying John Hyde, Prayer Warrior of Compassion and Man Who Never Sleeps, November 9, 1865, February 17, 1912. John Nelson Hyde was an American missionary who preached in the Punjab of India. Praying Hyde or the Apostle of Prayer was the sheer definition of tireless, seemingly going for days on end without sleep. He fasted often, in fact, food was far down on his list of must-haves. It is said that he struggled to pick up the local language and though mission authorities tried to encourage him, they were frustrated when he spent more time studying his Bible than he did in language study. And rather than displaying the outgoing personality of a missionary, he seemed much more withdrawn and intensely private, not a good fit for a traditional mission worker. Over time, he did become somewhat fluent in the local language, but he never lost his passion for God's Word. Faced with natives' unveiled persecution and only a rare convert, he invited other missionaries to join him to intercede for a spiritual breakthrough in India. In fact, in 1899, 
His call to pray was so intense that he spent whole nights on his face before God. He wrote the following in a letter to his college. Have felt led to pray for others this winter as never before. I never before knew what it was to work all day and then pray all night before God for another. In college or at parties at home, I used to keep such hours for myself, or pleasure, and can I not do as much for God and souls? Things that we see as critical to our very existence, well, let's just say that John saw them differently. You see, John realized that loving the Lord was vital to his very existence, and he lived that truth, carrying such a massive burden for the loss that he pleaded with the Lord to deliver at least one soul per day, or he would not eat or sleep. What commitment? John Hyde and his friends formed the Punjab Prayer Union 1904, setting aside half an hour each day to pray for revival. The results of their prayers were plainly seen at the Sialkot Convention as a special anointing fell upon those gathered. Year by year the prayer union fasted and prayed, and at each convention a growing urgency for evangelism and intercession filled each attendee. John Hyde emerged as the prayer leader, and all were amazed at both the depth of his spiritual insight, and the ferocity of his burden for India. During an assembly of those gathered in 1904, John Hyde took about 15 minutes to speak to the assembled men, and he said of that occasion, I remember how the little company prostrated themselves upon the mats in the oriental manner, and then how for a long time, man after man rose to his feet to pray, how there was such confession of sin as most of us had never heard before and such crying out to God for mercy and help. It was very late that night when the little gathering broke up and some of us know definitely of several lives that were wholly transformed through the influence of that meeting. A missionary present during one of the meetings at the convention recorded the Urdu words that John Hyde said before there was an outpouring of the Spirit, and it consisted of but three words. I Asmani Bach, O Heavenly Father. What followed who can describe? It was as if a great ocean came sweeping into that assembly. Hearts were bowed before that divine presence as the trees of a wood before a mighty tempest. It was the ocean of God's love being outpoured through one man's obedience. Hearts were broken before it. There were confessions of sins, with tears that were soon changed to joy, and then to shouts of rejoicing. Truly, we were filled with new wine, the new wine of heaven. Another missionary commented of that convention. There was breadth and freedom during those ten days that I never imagined existed on earth. Surely it was for freedom such as this that Christ has set us free. Each one did exactly as he or she felt led to do. Some went to bed early, some prayed all night long. Some went to the meetings and some to the prayer room and some to their own rooms. Some prayed, some praised. Some sat to pray, some kneeled, some lay prostrate on their faces before God, just as the Spirit of God bade them. There was no criticism, no judging of what was being done or said. Each one realized that all superficialities were put away, that each one was in the awful presence of the Holy God. By 1908, John Hyde dared to pray what was to many at the convention an impossible request, that during the coming year in India one soul would be saved every day. 365 people converted, baptized, and publicly confessing Jesus as their Savior. Impossible, yet it happened. Before the next convention John Hyde had prayed more than 400 people into God's kingdom, and when the prayer union gathered again, he doubled his goal to two souls a day. 800 conversions were recorded that year, and still Hyde showed an unquenchable passion for lost souls. At the 1910 convention, those around Hyde marveled at his faith, as they witnessed his near-violent supplications, Give me souls, O God, or I die. Before the meeting ended, John Hyde revealed that he was again doubling his goal for the coming year. Four souls a day, and nothing less. During the next 12 months John Hyde's ministry took him throughout India. By now he was known as Praying Hyde, and his intercession was sought at revivals in Calcutta, Bombay, and other large cities. If on any day four people were not converted, Hyde said at night there would be such a weight on his heart he could not eat or sleep until he had prayed through to victory. 
the number of new converts continually grew. He was remarkable in many ways, all due to his deep and abiding passion for the Lord. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, offering living, breathing proof of the miraculous power of the Spirit and fervent prayer. John never married, and he had no gift for public speaking. In fact, he was partially deaf and seemed somewhat less than enthusiastic, so how did this son of an Illinois Presbyterian minister come to be such a powerful force for intercession in a land of over a million unbelievers in India? The Word. John had difficulty adapting to the complex language of the land, possibly due to his hearing loss, and so he plunged into the study of the Word of God. In that place, he developed a deep, abiding love for the Lord. As a result, he was truly able to grasp the desperate need for fervent, sincere prayer, the kind that moves heaven and transforms earth. He spent countless dark nights face down on the cold, bare floor in prayer, interceding for the lost in India, and his prayer on behalf of others bore remarkable fruit. For the first year, at least one soul per day came to Christ and was baptized. Then two a day and finally four souls a day were coming to Christ because of his fervent intercession. The spirit of intercession was so heavy upon him that those around him would feel that same fervent spirit groaning deep inside them as well. And if you visited his room during his many revival conferences, you would find his bed perfectly made, because rather than sleeping he would spend his nights on the floor groaning in the spirit for the salvation of the lost. Intercession kept him in prayer right up until the moment the meetings began. Give me souls, O oh God, or I die. John Hyde, 1910, Sialkot Convention. John moved people with fervent supplications that appeared to be almost violent at times, and others sought his intercession for Calcutta, Bombay, and other Indian cities, so that the number of new believers grew by leaps and bounds. But his health was failing, so, at the age of 45, he was persuaded to seek medical attention. The doctor's diagnosis was nothing short of stunning. His heart had shifted out of its natural position on the left side of his chest to a place on the right. Some believed he prayed so hard that it changed the location of his heart. It was clear that his time there was ending, so he returned to his home in Carthage, Illinois, where he lived for two more years. His last words before his graduation to heaven were, Shout the victory of Jesus Christ. His powerful intercession led to a wave of revival that swept through India like none other. Before his death, he wrote the following. On the day of prayer, God gave me a new experience. I seemed to be away above our conflict here in the Punjab and I saw God's great battle in all India, and then away out beyond in China, Japan, and Africa. I saw how we had been thinking in narrow circles of our own countries and in our own denominations, and how God was now rapidly joining force to force and line to line, and all was beginning to be one great struggle. That, to me, means the great triumph of Christ. We must exercise the greatest care to be utterly obedient to Him who sees all the battlefield all the time. It is only He who can put each man in the place where his life can count for the most. In the end, He spent countless dark nights, praying and weeping on the cold, bare floor, not sleeping or eating, interceding for souls, which came first, one a day, then two a day, until four and then eight souls were saved each day and baptized into the kingdom. The burden to pray was so heavy that it could be felt by those who were nearby, who were similarly affected. Hyde's bed was rarely slept in, because he spent most nights groaning for souls on the floor, and as a result, the number of converts all over India grew by leaps and bounds. In the end, revival does not come because we talk about it, or are interested in it. It comes from a burning desire to see it happen and do whatever it takes to make it so. Let us ask ourselves this question, do I burn for the salvation of the lost, burn for revival? If no, why not? John Hyde speaks prophetically of a company of intercessors who carry compassion for the lost. This company cries out from deep within, give me souls or I shall die. They are not content with their ticket to heaven, but rather they cry out for the lost, the broken, and rejected ones.
They have the character of Christ, they flow with a deep humility. They know what it means to pray sacrificially. They weep for those going to hell, they are moved to pray and not just mumble obligatory prayers. Joel 2 17 Let the priests, who minister to the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar, let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach, that the nations should, g rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? As I have said many times before that unless servants are willing to cry out for lost souls, they will never have the faith to see repentance revival and lost souls coming into the kingdom. For those that carry the spirit of intercession within this hour will be like those that have gone before us having a fervency and fire that compels them into action to see God move in a powerful way. Precious saints there is once again a brooding occurring over the face of the deep. The Lord is moving over the waters, preparing a company of intercessors that will pray it in, not just one man but an army of fervent believers like Hyde. I see a cloud moving, the glory is drawing near, the very manifest presence is building and as we pray the cloud will draw even nearer. The glory is invading the enemy's camp where the people of God will worth the Lord of hosts in spirit and in truth and rejoice that heaven is being released. The throne room is cracked open, and the very atmosphere of heaven is leaking out toward the earth. Open your hearts, open the gates for entry of the King of glory. Seek the Lord while he may be found, welcome him into rest and abide in you, for as he dwells there the earth shall be transformed. With the kiss of his presence we, as the bride, shall come forth arrayed in his magnificent glory. Prayer Focus Day 4 Lord Jesus, You are right here, right now. There are so many reasons why I fail to groan in prayer, but chief among them is the way I protect myself from the pain of others, even from my own pain. Awaken me to the deeper love of God, who runs with abandon into the face of darkness and whose suffering travail brings us saving grace. Right here, Jesus. Right now, Jesus. Lord, give Your people the desire and endurance to intercede again for the birth of repentance revival within their nations and be that habitation that You have called us to be Lord wherever we are. Here is a simple prayer guide that you can use for your own community as you stand with others on the wall of intercession. Pray that a unified voice would arise from the city, reflecting the Father's heart and will, Romans 15:5-6. Pray that believers would be drawn together in the power of covenant community, Acts 18 9-10. Start to pray that the Lord would disarm any plans of the enemy to cause harm or injury to people or property. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's, 2 Chronicles 20:15. Start to declare God's righteous boundaries around the city, Psalm 31:20, Jeremiah 5:22. Renounce, refuse to recognize, and cancel any threats of harm or property damage, Isaiah 63:9, Luke 4:28-30. Pray that communications of the enemy would be confused and cancelled, Jeremiah 20:11-12, Psalm 55:9-10. Counter negative words or curses spoken with the promises of God. Psalm 109 26-31, 2 Corinthians 10 2-6. Declare that the light of truth will dispel any darkness and expose the lies. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, John 1 4-5. Bless the city with an increased awareness of His presence and truth which dispels darkness, Psalm 36 9. Pray that those who oppose God's heart and ways would encounter Jesus, Acts 8 12-13. Pray that counterfeits would be exposed, bringing the fear of the Lord, Acts 19 14-17. Pray that every evil practice would collide with truth and life, Acts 8 4-8. Speak God's blessings and protection over transportation and communication lines. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction but flee from you in 7, Deuteronomy 28 7. Pray protection over city streets and citizens young and old, Psalm 121 8. 
Proverbs 10 9. Bless the roadways and highways with the holiness of God, Isaiah 35 8-10. Declare the roadways consecrated unto the Lord to bring wandering souls back to Him, Jeremiah 55. Pray for the Word of God and message of the cross to be shared with power. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict, everyone will hate you because of me. But not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm, and you will win life, Luke 21 15, 17-19. Declare that the power of God's Word and anointing of the Holy Spirit would disarm the adversary, Acts 6 9-10, 2 Thessalonians 1 5-7. Pray for boldness to declare the truth of the Gospel, Acts 4 29-31, Philippians 1 14. Pray that the Spirit of Truth would be proclaimed and heard, John 16 13-14. Declare the favor of God on those who preach and teach the Word of God, Acts 17 16-17, 32. Thank God for His delivering power in defeating all His enemies. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world, 1 John 4 4. Extol the Lord, Jerusalem, praise your God, Zion. He strengthens the bars of your gates and blesses your people within you, Psalm 147 12-13. Just start to magnify the name of Jesus above all other names in your nation in Jesus' mighty name. Luke 10 17, Phil 2-9-11. Declare His Lordship in your community and region in Jesus' mighty name. 2 Kings 19 19, Psalm 50 23. Read Psalms of praise to displace any voices of darkness, Psalm 33, 35, 65, and 67. Come with boldness and in faith as you wait on the Lord in fasting over this period, cry out to Him in prayers, trusting that He will respond to your prayer of faith as He honors His Word in your life in the name of Jesus. Pray for God to turn the failures in your life to victory in the precious name of Jesus. Ask Him to turn every embarrassment and shame in your life into occasions of praise and glory to His name. Confess this prayer, Heavenly Father in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I recognize that by virtue of my relationship with You Lord, that I have engaged in warfare with the kingdom of Satan. My first step is to declare my absolute allegiance to you, Lord Jesus, the Captain of the Lord's host, and my Lord and Savior. I commit myself to you and your leadership wholeheartedly, and I place my life fully in your hands. As your word tells us, I equip myself now with the full armor of God in Ephesians 6 11-18, so that I can stand victorious in this battle. I also pull down, in the mighty name of Jesus, any stronghold or strong man in my life that hinders me. Lord Jesus, help me in this battle so that I can follow you without obstruction. Lord, I also remove any high place, throne, gate or altar, in my life that may be hindering me, any allegiance to an old pattern or behavior that may be offensive to you. I lay it down now, Lord, and I place it at your feet. I will join with my fellow believers joining in this coming three-day fast and may they also receive their breakthroughs and see their requests be answered during and after this fast in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus Christ. I command every stronghold of fear worry and anxiety to be pulled down in your life. Lord, I decree and declare that every stronghold of anger in my life to be destroyed and the demon cast out back to the pit of hell today in Jesus' mighty name. Lord any agent of darkness masquerading as a friend, be exposed and brought to the light in the mighty name of Jesus.